This week on the Dragzine Podcast, Scott Palmer joins us and we talk nitro racing, door slammer racing, all kinds of insanity. It's a lot of fun. So uh, make sure you pull those belts tight, get ready to put in the beams. The Dragzine Podcast starts now. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Dragzine Podcast. I'm your host, Senior Associate Editor Brian Wagner. This week, Scott Palmer joins us and... Uh, it's story time with Scott. We get to hear some really cool stuff that he's done, kind of what he's raced, how he raced. You know, we get to talk about the Studebaker, which is a totally killer ride, and just kind of, you know, what he's all about with racing. So uh, without further ado, let's get this drag racing party started. All right, my guest this week on the Dragzine podcast is racer of anything with wheels, nitro, funny car pilot, or top fuel pilot, boat pilot, all things in between. Uh, Scott Palmer, what's going on, Scott? Not much. Just got home from the shop. Well, we pretty much work 15-hour days at our shop, which, you know, it's pretty much me in the shop, and I'm just trying to get caught up on some stuff while we have a little downtime. Yeah, a little bit of downtime, and that's uh, it, it, it's funny. You know, we were talking about you know you you spin the wrenches on the car yourself, and you know it. I know from my experience what goes into making a heads-up radial tire car run. You know, what's it like trying to when you're the do as much as you do with a car, what, you know, what's it like trying to keep a, a top fuel operation rocking and rolling? It's, it's probably, you know, you could work on this thing. You know, let's just say we're going to be out of racing for 30 days on this deal. If I worked on it every day, 15 hours a day, I still wouldn't be as prepared as Torrance and Torrance is their team as the, the team that, you know, helps me. So I judge everything off of them and I try to copy everything they do, but their maintenance program is, is why they're so good. They're just unbelievable. Yeah. I think that's something that transcends all forms of drag racing is that if you prepare at home, it makes race day much better because you're not chasing gremlins and demons. It, it really does. And, and our, I'll tell you what we've done. We've ran the full season the last Last year, we skipped some at the end of the year, but the two years prior to that, we ran the whole season, got in the top 10, and that was great, but we didn't have full-time guys. We, we fly guys in. We do it with some friends. I mean, we we literally are a part-time team that was running full-time, so I'm really proud of what we did and our accomplishments, but to be real honest, we just got behind on maintenance. There's more to racing than the race cars. You, I mean, somebody has to work on the trucks and trailers, and you know, I'm just trying to catch up on that stuff. Yeah, it's it's really it's mind blowing when you put it all pen to paper on everything that goes into a racing operation before you even load the car up, making sure a trailer's ready to go, that you know your tow vehicle's running, and just all the logistics side of it. Oh yeah, then there's that damn race car you got to work on too. It it gets kind of a, it gets kind of hectic in a hurry. Yeah, and it really does. And we don't do it from we don't do it from Brownsburg where everybody's at. We do it from Southern Missouri in a little town called Cassville. You know, town of two thousand people, and it's just not like you can just run out and get anything you want in town. So. You know, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage that way, but that's the way I like it. I like being from my little farm town and, you know, going to the local cafe for for dinner or lunch and, and talking about cows if you want to. You know? Yeah, I don't think you can go to an auto zone in uh, Missouri and go, hey, you got a clutch for a top fueler here? They, they ain't going to have that. No, and I've been working on the clutch on the Studebaker this week, so I've, I've got it apart. I just took it out today and put in a new new a whole new setup on it. Me and Bobby Lagana and Dom Lagana have been working, trying to figure out the best way to get this thing down the track. So I've got the clutch out of it. Now I'm putting some fancy, we call it cupcake levers in them. It's a guy who makes all our clutch stuff, CNCP, but you know, we're putting his levers in it and we're, we're gonna, we're gonna get this thing rolling. You know, I got too many irons in the fire. I have so much stuff going on that, that I probably should focus on one a little bit more, but you know, I'm, I'm into everything. That's why we're not running the full season this year. We're going to run 12 top fuel races. Well, we don't know how it's going to go now, but we're going to, we're going to get that Studebaker down the track. I'm, my goal is to run 300 miles an hour with a door car and I'm convinced it'll do it. So. Yeah. Before we get into the top fuel stuff and some of the other things that, you know, we kind of want to hit on, let's talk about that Studebaker because we talked a little bit out in the pre-call, you know, it's Chuck Weck's car. And to me, that thing represents all things that are just amazing about drag racing because it is loud, fast, dangerous, and scary and fun. 
it's it's all of the above and you know you'll probably never see that at an NHRA race they they're not real excited about it but oh no they're terrified of that car a bit but you know what? We built another one. J.R. Sandlin's got a 70 Chevelle, and we've got it put together. I'm actually waiting on the drivetrain stuff to get done for it. But we've we tested it. I was trying to run it with a two-speed, and it just it just sheared the bolts off of every. It, it, the two-speed just wasn't going to take it. So we've ordered the parts that they should be here anytime, and we'll have that up and running too. But we're going to go test ours, and just we'll get it lined out, and then we're going to have two of them side by side, flames over the roof. Oh, that's. That's fabulous. Cause that's... The, Studeb- the Studebaker is just out of control. It is the coolest, craziest car that I've ever set in. And I've set in some cool cars. I've been so lucky over my lifetime to drive some cool cars. But this thing is this thing is not the nicest car I've ever set in by far. It's kind of, to be real honest, it's kind of a rat trap. I tell everyone you need a tetanus shot just to get around this thing, so be careful. But it's the coolest thing I've ever drove. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it looks like a, a Hot Wheels car like got blown up in a science experiment to a full-size car. And it just the, the videos you see of it, I mean, it's it's awesome to watch. And I, I love the idea of being the first 300-mile-an-hour door car. That is just That's amazing. And, and, you know, some people think I'm crazy for saying that, but look how fast the turbo cars are going. I follow all this. I'm I'm, I'm a huge fan of anything with doors on it. I'm a door car guy for sure. So I watch these turbo cars run 270s. They're going to, I mean, if they had no rules, and I believe one of those cars would get real close to that. So to be real honest, I'll have to hurry to get that done before someone else does. Oh, yeah. If they took the cuffs off a big block turbo car, quarter mile racing, it would definitely come uncomfortably close for some people going 280 you know 300 really would it really would i believe that 100 percent. you know uh, it, it would, the way the drag radio cars are running right now it might be a drag radio car before long they're, they're out of control too oh yeah it's it's insane to be around there was a my editor posted on dragzine our facebook page some of the uh pictures from the first uh lights out and, you know, that people were talk, kind of conversing back and forth on the Facebook post about, you know, the performance times and whatnot. And at that time, like, the big the big buzz were Radioversal World Cars were, like, going 14, you know, mid-14s, mid I think. And now they're knocking on the door of going 340s. That's that's nuts. Oh, it's crazy. And, and you know, back – I, I don't even know how long ago it's been. Let's say 10 years ago when radio cars were – actually stock suspension you know pretty much stock looking cars that's what really got me interested in it because you know we'd have races out here at ozark raceway and tulsa raceway park and you know uh, woody all the guys that were running those cars and they're still doing it you know they're they're those guys would roll into town and it would just blow my mind how fast those cars were and now they're as fast or faster than pro mods which is just completely unrealistic to me oh yeah it's you know i think it, like i've joked about it before that you know the guys at mickey thompson probably you know the engineers go wait they did what on the tire how they do that you know exactly yeah yeah that you know the radio i like i follow you know with, with this gig every form of drag racing imaginable and the radio tire stuff just to me it, it's i like the outlaw edge of it but it's like the the drag racing nerd of me also just loves what those guys do it's like the old days of like nitro racing when people were just you know the golden age figuring stuff out these guys work so hard to make these cars do crazy things yeah you think about it you think about those i I looked at some of those tires lately i mean i I saw some in a friend of mine's shop and i look at those tires and you just think how can they possibly do that you know i know they they glue the track down and they make it super sticky and and uh, that's all cool and well but they still have to put that power down and they're doing it they have power plants in those things that make probably more horsepower than a pro mod now because the radials are taking it it just blows my mind how they're doing that you know, it, it was really crazy to see when, you know, Mensker and those guys figured out what the shocks that to get that, you know, that reverse travel, if you were, where it's, you know, really just smashing that tire down. And instead of like a, you know, your typical slick tire door car where it squats these radial tire cars, they, they look like a dirt late model going down the track as the back end rises up. And, 
you know, it's like the technological innovations like that is like what has pushed that to this point. And, you know, who knows where it's going to end up. Yeah, you see their suspension. And I always say it looks like when I was I grew up in Marlowe, Oklahoma, and, and a friend of mine, Rodney McClanahan, he had a he had like a I don't know, it's probably a 70 Dodge Demon. And when he would get on the gas, it would separate like that. I'll never forget that look. And I was like, man, that looks like that looks like I was when we were in high school. And he had this Dodge Demon. I think it was a Demon. And that thing separated like that. But that thing was fast, you know, and it hooked on the street. It was crazy. And they're sticking the tire that hard on those deals. It's it's just wild. That's an exciting sport. I think, I think with all the stuff going on, and I've been saying this, I think with all the stuff going on in the world right now, I think what's going to happen, is I think those series are going to get even more popular at local tracks. And I think you're going to see more of those races and more people in the stands because I think it's going to be hard this summer for people to afford to go to an NHRA race as much as they would like to. And I think you're going to see more fans in the stands at the Midwest Pro Mod Series and the and all the radio races and the you know all the series that are out there and the monthly shows. And that's what I hope for because I love – I love hometown racing. You know, I love the local tracks. Oh, yeah. You know, it's uh, we race up at Milan quite a bit, and they have their Friday night series, and they pack that place on Friday nights, and it's a dog and pony show. They got radio racing, a rung what you brung, pro mod class, open comp. I mean, it's your, it's a, it's an amazing program to have, and they pack. I was shocked how much they pack pack the bleachers with the fans there and they eat it up you know that's the fans like to be entertained with those dog and pony shows where even if it's you know just a couple of heads up classes just some really entertaining racing they'll come out and they'll check it out oh yeah yeah and i think that's going to get even more popular this summer i think we're gonna we're gonna see some of these small series nmca and all these series i think they're going to get more coverage because i think it's going to be a easier spot for someone to go and it's still the greatest racing out there i still say that's that's some of the best racing ever all these door car races that are going on and i don't know why they don't get more coverage than they do like you know i actually i was watching a a, a map tv the other night there was a a shootout it was imports against it looked like pro mods but it was in buds creek maryland and i sent gary pritchett a message because he races there a lot with with uh, bunny burkett's funny car and I sent him a message. I said, man, there's a race on MAV TV from Butts Creek, Maryland, and it's imports import, versus... Import versus domestic, the World Cup. Right, exactly. Great race. I and, have... and, and that was a great... It was good coverage. It was a great race. They talked to the drivers, and, you know, there were some, some drivers there I'd never seen because they were import guys, and some of them were out of the country, and it was a big race. The stands were packed. I got to go to that race the first time when the guy that I crew for, he went up and he, you know, he got drawn up by Jason Lee from PTP tuner. And he's like, you got to check this race out. Ray went and then he's like, dude, you got to go to this race. And it's, there's, there's races and then there's events and you hit the nail on the head. That is an event because that's the only race I've ever been to when we were spooling a, a single turbo x275 car up on the line and the crowd started cheering and it drowned out the race cars it was yeah and then i go back there there from a media perspective and get to really kind of drink it all in and it, it doesn't matter what kind of racing you like you have to go to that event just to check out everything that's there i mean it's 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 amazing yeah they showed the cars the cars were impressive import cars and they uh, there was one that ran it set the record or ran the fastest ct it was like a 610 or something then i know since then they've run a 590 with that with the four cylinder it may have been the same team but to think that they're running low sixes and high fives with a four cylinder turbocharged car those guys are sharp those those guys are sharp yeah yeah the dude that uh, reset that record recently um and that Ecotech car down at Orlando, that car, we pitted with those guys before up there. Super, super nice dudes out of, uh, they run Napier Dragway out of uh, Canada. Super nice guys. They all work hard. But, yeah, when that record was reset up there with the dude from Fuel Tech, that, the place blew up when he did that. I mean, people just, they lost their minds. And it was so awesome to see some of those well-built imports running so well. And then for me, standing at the top end, taking pictures of, you know, a, a screw-blown small tire, you know, 
outlaw 10-5 car running the full quarter mile. There's no sound like that. It's like a even angrier top alcohol funny car. Yeah, it was, it was it was a really impressive race, and I think, you know, I'm excited for the I'm actually excited for the summer when it get, when we get rolling because I think you're going to see a lot. I think they're going to get a lot more coverage than they ever have. And yeah, that's going to be good. Yeah, I think that there's going to be a big once everything kind of takes back off. I think there's a lot of people right now that are getting a big reality check about how lucky we were to have what we have, and that we need to embrace that and get out and race and enjoy racing more. doesn't matter what no. it is. Go check it out. Put, no, put, myself and Bobby Lagana had a conversation the last few nights about how lucky everyone has been. And, and uh, our team and Lagana's Bobby and Dom, we have traveled together for 20 years, eating saltine crackers, sleeping in our trucks, just so we could run a top fuel car. And we just have chased this dream for so long. And then you get there and it's so cool. But the difference is we appreciate it so much that we've got to do this, that we're going to be okay because we're excited about the fact that we get to go to the race. And and the Torrance family is the same way. They did the same thing. People, They've done good for themselves, but you got to remember they earned it. They worked for it. They worked for every bit of everything they have. And so we all just kind of stick together, and and if if it goes down a smaller level path, we'll be just fine with it because we love going to smaller races. We love just showing off and, and sharing the experience we have. Oh, my God. I would be so happy if there were, like, old-school booked-in match races. Pro stock, yeah. funny car. Oh, but that would be heaven. Just just watch what happens. I'm I, Honestly – I sit here every night and I'm working on a, a deal because I think what I think this year and pro- probably next year, you'll see more of that because I think now is the time. And if no matter what anybody says, history repeats itself. And I remember what got me interested so much in a fuel car was Brent and Vicky Fanning. Do you remember when they had the, they had the cow car, they had the, utter nonsense funny car that they ran some nhra races with and then they got funny truck they call them funny trucks and they had fuel cars with pickup bodies on them that lifted up and they went around the country and and i saw them at mocan raceway i saw them at ozark raceway i saw them all over at these little tracks and i was like oh my gosh these guys are putting on a show the stands were packed they were selling t-shirts and it was a it was a great show. I don't even remember how fast they were, but it didn't matter. They were spraying, you know, fire over the roof. And I that's the direction. I'm still going to run NHRA races, but I'm going to offer small tracks an option. I have, you know, there's be complete top fuel dragsters in my shop, and there's two complete top fuel pro mods in the shop, and we have John Stouffer's, you know, outlaw pro mod with the screw blower on it. The, it's it's a brand new 71 cuda and we have access to another one so we can offer match races we can bring three cars we have access to a couple of nostalgia funny cars and we could put on a good show for the for small tracks and bring it back match racing is i think it's going to make a comeback oh I'm, i'm excited about it yeah i mean look at what bader does with the night of fire like yes i've I've last year was the first time I got to go to that event and like I, I've I've been to a lot of different races, but that is a race and a show all mixed into one. And they packed Norwalk to the brim. Sold out Summit Motorsports Park. People are going crazy. Amazing show. You could do that at a at a small track at that level. You know, look what they do when they book in the street outlaw guys. If same thing you could do that with some nitro cars. Oh, yeah, for sure. We did it at the end of the year at Ozark Raceway Park. And, you know, Marty Chance and Mitch Chance, they own that track. And, you know, they're, obviously they're door car guys because they're converters. And they're, the, they're the converter out there. So, you know, and we're just good friends. And it's in my area. And I used to go there all the time until we started running more NHRA stuff. And we went back there this year and the place was packed. I mean, it was a we had a great show. We raced Alan Mendendorf in this and it's, you know, funny car, chaos, funny car. And we had the best time and everybody, you know, the, the track, you know, did good that weekend. And we're going to have to do something to put on a show 
for these little tracks because this year is going to be tough for everybody. And I'm just trying to work it away to offer this to, to the smaller tracks so we can come in and put on a good eighth mile show and, and not run the, you know, not have to hurt a top fuel car too bad putting on a show. Oh yeah. I mean, even if you ran that thing at, you know, just enough where it's not eating itself, you know, not super hard, but enough where it's got enough tune up to get down the track. That's still for a small track like that. People would lose their minds. And I've been banging this drum for a while that in our current environment where tracks have access to tools like Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, there's no excuse why they have all this free ability to advertise why they couldn't pack a house with a show like that. No, and, and not, and actually we, it did pack it. And, and the thing about running eighth mile, most of these, most of these tracks are eighth mile, you know? So when you're running eighth mile, knock on wood, you know, you don't really have to back them down. If you're running them eighth mile, we ran, we went to Ozark Raceway park. We ran 310 ET at 266 miles an hour. Now that was pretty fast for that little track. I think Don Garlitz ran two, 50 something there in 1980 something 88 or something last time he was there and that was quarter mile so i mean we were it was running it was running strong there we actually left there and the next weekend went to st louis and ran three flat which so we ran a tenth faster at a national event and it but it ran 200 and you know 88 miles an hour or whatever it ran but but the only thing i really did was i just didn't you know i just ran it less aggressive at the finish line but the thing really ran good. I mean, it ran perfect down there. And I think part of, you know, going from the show aspect is you still do the throttle laps, which is, again, something that I wish more teams would do because I remember growing up that, like, when we would go to the national event here in Columbus, that was like, you know, we knew when the nitro cars were warming up, we would run from pit to pit, like, as a family yeah. to hear yeah, these, oh, yeah. the, the, to hear the cars whap. I mean, that was just – to me, that was like a religious experience. It, it was, and and it was for me too. I got an alcohol funny car in the, you know, late nineties, and and you know everybody was still still whacking the throttle then. So my goal in life was, oh my god, I'm gonna get me a top fuel car, and and uh, I want to, you know, that one of the highlights that you're looking forward to. Well, by the time I got one, everybody was gonna stop doing it because my thing was. I wasn't going to whack the throttle until I had a competitive top fuel dragster. Well, that took me 15 years. So 15 years later, nobody's whacking the throttle. So it's probably been four or five years ago when our car started running better. And Torrance, you know, the Capco guys help us and Bobby and Dom Lagana. Once we got Tommy Thompson to help us and Tommy's helping us and we had the opportunity to be competitive, then I told everybody, I said, there's only one thing. I'm not going to do. I'll copy everything you guys do. I'll do everything you say, but we're going to whack the throttle. And we started whacking the throttle, and it's turned into a madhouse. If we quit whacking the throttle now, they would hang me from the awning poles, you know? Oh, there'd be riots. Yeah. <laughs> there'd be riots, for sure. Well, and, you know, Alexis is doing it now. I mean, Del Worsham's running that deal, and, and Alexis has been whacking the throttle. I mean, she did it at, at Pomona and Phoenix, so hopefully she keeps doing that because – you know, she's kind of a, you know, I grew up in Marlowe, Oklahoma. It's the, they're, they're called the Marlowe Outlaws. So I always say we're the outlaws of top fuel racing. And, and she's kind of an outlaw, too. So, I mean, hopefully she keeps whacking the throttle. And then they need to park us beside her. That would be awesome. I had her on the show, and I've been a fan of hers for a while. And, yeah, she is absolutely the the loose cannon that NHRA needed in the funny car ranks for sure because she – like to me it's like with the independent operations like that it's awesome because you guys ride that edge where you're like you know i'm here doing my own thing i'm not really worried about you know the the whole corporate world as much we're here to have fun and do our thing and i think that's that's again what the the pro level stuff really needs i, I think that's what it's missing i mean that's what it's missing i think people are you know the family operations that do what they want are the ones that you see the crowd behind right now. Well, you can tell, like, those teams are like really having fun. You can just you can just sense it. Like, there's, it's it's a hard thing to describe. Like, the pits, just the way they go about things, is just like, it's pure. It's enjoyment. You know, you're there to do a job, but you're not, 
you know, so focused on it that it's it's not fun. And it really it comes across to the fans. It really does. And you can look I got a great example of that. Jason McCullough came and helped us a couple of years ago. He's he's the crew chief on Billy Torrance's car now, but myself and Billy Torrance had a deal and we were just Jason became available and so we wanted to keep him in our little group of 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 this little family thing we have going with Torrance, you know, because we're all like family. Well, we he came and helped us and then he just kind of oversees what everybody was doing and was seeing how Hogan's tune-up was and Logana's. And so he's on our car. Well, you know, the first few races, I, you know, and I did, I kind of told him, I said, Hey, you know, it's different over here because you know, you're going to see a lot of people in the pits and they're going to get in the way a little bit and you're going to wonder what's going on. So sure enough, you know, the first couple of races, it's, we, we have a lot of people in the pits and then one, I don't know, it's probably later in the year and, and uh, Ronnie Thompson, I believe, came over and he was working on forces and he told, uh, and we never load our car. We never load our toolboxes. Everything stays outside. We put a car cover over the car if it's raining. You know, nobody's going to steal your stuff. I, I'm a believer in that. They may, but when they do, I'll stay home. But we never load the car. So Jason McCullough was like, Man, you really don't load your car. You need to load the car. So nah, I'm not going to load the car either. So anyway, Ronnie Thompson came over and said, I can't believe he still doesn't load the car. There was a conversation about it. And Jason McCullough, after a year with us, said, you know what? I've been thinking about this. I've been watching it. And I figured it out. Everybody at this race that would steal anything out of anybody's pits, they love Scott Palmer. So if they stole anything, they would probably bring it over here and drop it off at his pits. They would, But they're not going to steal from him. And knock on wood, I've never had anything stolen from our pits never and that just but that's because the people i want to share this experience with them and they feel like they're part of our team they don't feel like they're just watching us race yeah definitely and again it it just kind of comes back to like you said that whole feeling of family and what you guys have going on and you know it's it's enjoyable you know it's very relatable and fun yeah it is and we're going to keep it that way no matter what it takes, you know. And, and you know, the, so we've just got a great group of people. Myself, Rick DeCousin, he's one of my best friends for, you know, 30 years since I moved to Missouri from Oklahoma. And he's on the team. So, you know, we've been, you know, we've off and on raced together for, you know, since 1988 probably. So, it's just a good group of people and me and Bobby and Dom have been friends forever. And I've actually been friends with the Torrance's back, you know, when Torrance, when, even when Steve was 14 years old and, and, you know, I've just been friends with them and they, as everybody has grown and everything got better for everybody, most people, when they do better than someone else, they don't share it. So everybody in this little group, as someone has gotten better, they have brought the other ones up with them. They've shared it. They, I mean, most people don't do that. They just say, keep working, you'll get there. They don't say, hey, come on, it's going good. Come with us, you know, especially when there's money involved. And, you know, what I've got from Lagana's and, and Torrance's, you can't buy. It's, you can't buy that knowledge. It's not possible. Oh, no. So that's what kind of people they are. And do you think having in that kind of environment is what makes it, you know, easier for you guys to operate as your own little small tribe versus, you know, one of the big three teams? Yes, that is what that is 100 percent what does it. You know, those guys have the they have the best of the best. And for them to share that with me is what makes it happen. And, and don't get me wrong. We do test stuff. We, you know, we try to clutch and we still run it that, you know, they, they tested even, even at Phoenix, they tested it, but we have tried, you know, we ran three years ago, we ran Torrance's fuel system, the entire fuel system, the whole year. Now we have one just like it now, but we tested it all year. We tried it all year long. We ran it and they still, to this day, come over and download my runs, take them back to the hotel and call me if they see something. We still talk about it. Now, you know, they give me guidelines and, you know, we have to do it on our own, but they still oversee it to this day. 
but that's what's that's what's and i believe me they don't learn near as much off this deal as i do but i do believe some of it could help oh yeah anytime you can have access to just that much more data you know it, it the thing i've noticed is that crew chiefs are like they they just they're like a sponge they want to soak up as much data and information as they can and it might not be something that can directly correlate but it might you know fire some little thing in Lagana's mind where you could go well I wonder if that'll work here and then they go off on a tangent and they figure something amazing out or or I mean sometimes like because you know I'm not as knowledgeable as them I'll make a mistake and if I make a mistake then you know that's uh, that sounds bad but you still learn what not to do oh yeah and that's pretty important out there, too, because if you do make a mistake and it doesn't work, you need to make sure you have notes of that so you don't do that again. Yeah, yeah, and as long as, you know, then you feel very fortunate when it's not an expensive mistake as well. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly, that's that's true. But, yeah, it's been, it's it's a fun deal, and it's still fun, and, you know, I'm just proud to be part of their little, the, the whole little tribe we have going on because, you know, Dom, Dom will get his car out a few times this year and, and, you know, Billy and Steve, and then, you know, we're in the mix there with them. And it's just a great group of people. Speaking of fun, let's, let's change gears here a little bit. Something we talked about in the pre-call is, you know, you've, you've played with nitro on, on water, which to me, that's the, that's right up there. I think with nitro Harleys, it's really neat. I wouldn't do it. It's terrifying. What's it well, like to drive one of those beasts? Well, I see that's the thing. I don't. I've never drove one. Kevin Kinsley drives our our top fuel hydro. Who drives a you know he drives a top fuel, you know dragster too sometimes. And he's got a, a funny car chaos funny car that he runs. But yeah, see Kevin Kinsley drives it. I've never drove that. I actually in May, if everything goes good, they're having a, a SDVA has a drag boat race out here at Wheatland. And myself and Tommy Thompson are gonna we're gonna have a, a grudge race at that race and I'm gonna get in my first boat. It's not gonna be a top fuel boat, but it's a you know, two hundred mile an hour alcohol boat. I, they run hundred and eighty to two hundred miles an hour probably. So me and Tommy Thompson are gonna have us a little match race there and, and uh, he's gonna try to scare me and I'll be real honest, I'm kinda nervous about it. Because they are crazy. Yeah, for some reason, I thought you raced boats. Like, for some reason, it popped. No, I own a, you know, I bought a Top Fuel Hydro, and I put the thing together, and we still we still have it, me and, me and Tommy. But that's actually how I met Tommy and got to be good friends with Tommy Thompson is through that boat. Because we bought it. We put Tommy Rice in it, a friend of mine, and, and we put Scott Compton in it, and Kevin Kinsley ended up driving it. And we've we've had a lot of fun with it, and I've, I've made a lot of good connections with those guys, but all those guys are, they are definitely up there with top fuel Harley guys, but no, I have not drove that thing. Yeah. I, maybe that's a good thing then. Cause I just, that to me again, like I've watched, you know, I'm a gearhead. I'll watch anything. Like if there's racing going on, I'm going to watch it. I've watched any like different forms of boat race. I'm like, those guys are nuts. You're adding in the factors of speed and then water. I'm like, that's, that's a different level. It is definitely a different level. I mean, that, these guys are are a hundred percent. And and I, you know, when I first got a boat, Eddie Knox and and uh, David Kirkland and Todd Haas and all these guys who are boat guys, these guys pretty much took me under their wing, kind of like Torrance, and and helped me, and, you know, guided me along. And because I didn't know, I didn't even know the lingo. I didn't know props, struts. I didn't even know the talk to talk. I didn't even know the parts I needed. And we drug that boat all the way to, I believe, Lake Havasu. And it didn't have props or anything in it because I didn't even know what we were talking about. And they helped me put that thing together. And we put Tommy Rice in it, who had never drove it. He had never drove a capsule boat. We put him in a top fuel boat. <laughs> and, we, you know, we shove him out in the water. And, us, and you know, he kind of asked me, he said, Anything you want me to do? I said, I don't know. I've never drove one. I can't tell you anything to do. Have fun. That's yeah. all I that's all I could say. You know, be careful. I mean yeah. Have fun. You, you can't be careful in one of those. If you get in one of those, you're not careful, you know. Wow, that's that's wild. <laughs> it is wild. I mean, but but because of that, Lucas had bought the series and Lucas has always helped me. So um 
me and Forrest Lucas talked in Wheatland at, at their little barn cafe that they have in Wheatland. And he said, man, we need to get another top fuel hydro out here. Why don't you put one together? And I said, no, never happened. I've never been in a canoe. I'm not interested in a boat, but ended up, I, he talked me into it. He really didn't talk me into it. I just started thinking about it and we ended up doing it. And I've made such good connections from that boat that, you know, I want the series to do good. I'm, I'm anxious for boat season. They don't have one for, there's no class for top fuel boats this, this year, but we're working on some deals and trying to get some exhibition stuff out there. That, yeah, that would be something that, you know, I, I, like I said, I never got to check it out in person, but just seeing something like that would be, it'd be wild to just to watch those things do their, do their deal just because of the, the you know, I know what a, a, a fuel car can do on land, but on water, it's got to be just as impressive. If you see a boat going in a thousand feet, run 270 miles an hour, it is probably one of the most impressive things that I've ever seen. It is the sound and the, and the, just to see that rooster tail, you know, 200 feet in the air, it's impressive. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that would definitely be something that, that you know, to check out for sure. Because I've, you know, I've seen the, the boats like on land, like some of the big offshore boats and stuff like that. And it, again, just standing beside those things, it's just, it's it's immense and impressive to see them. Yeah, it is. And you see those, and they, you know, the, those ones that run 230 miles an hour, you just think about all that power that they have in this huge boats and then you put 10,000 horsepower in a in a boat that's when you look at them up close you're like wow man those things do not look safe not no, at all no not at all like i remember and they're know, not you know well, you, eddie hill used to race those and you see the pictures of him and those things it looks like he's being held in by like a couple like little teeny tiny seat belts he's got a life jacket on and one of those old open face helmets with a bubble face on it yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. and that's <laughs> what's, what's wrong. And right with after you? that, they, they they did the capsules, and once the capsules came, I mean, it gets a, it's a little bit better, but it's still dangerous. They're, they're the most dangerous thing out there in motorsports, or or I guess you call it motorsports. I mean, because even though it's on water, it's still it's a top fuel car floating on water with no brakes, with no brakes. That's the thing that gets you. There's no brakes on it, and that's what Tommy Thompson is trying to tell me. I stopped by a shop last week and sat in the boat that I'm going to drive. And, you know, just, I'm just trying to think about it. He told me, he said, you know, the thing that will get you is there's no brakes. So whenever you let off, it keeps going. And Todd Haas was there, you know, he, he maintains all the boats for Tommy and we're sitting there talking and him and Freddie Rice and all these guys that they're with Tommy, they, they've all raced boats. So they're all going to be there, but, that's one sensation that I don't know if you could get used to is letting off the gas and the, and the boat still keep going. There's no brakes. There's no brake handle. You're at the mercy of the parachutes, which don't scoop up air. They scoop up water. It's just, it's just nothing about it sounds right. Yeah. That's a hard pass for me. Nope. So that's going to be, I'm going to be nervous. I don't ever have butterflies, but I'm going to have butterflies that day. It's going to be fun though. Yeah, it's going to be a fun race. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's funny to hear you say that considering, like you said, you, you drive a door car with a nitro engine in front of it, which is, you know, terrifying enough to most people, let alone a top fueler. So that's that speaks of volumes right there. Yeah, oh, I, and that's the truth. I can get in that Studebaker and it's, man, it's like you just sit down in your favorite recliner to me. But that boat is going to be terrifying to me. Now, the boat guys, they all say, oh, man, you're going to love it. But I'm not 100% sure of that. But I'm going to give it a shot and see what it does. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm going to try to get my uh, my super comp license and my friend's dragster this year. He stores at my shop. And I remember the first time I got in that thing going from, you know, driving, you know, street cars with roll cages to getting in that dragster the first time. And uh, I'm not a claustrophobic person. But getting to that drag for the first time, I'm like, all right, this is way weird and different than what I'm used to. I'm not sure about this quite yet. Yeah, and that's that'll get your attention too because you'll be. It's impressive how hard those cars leave. I mean, they, they definitely get your attention when you let off the trans brake. Yeah, that's that's what he you know he said he goes the first time I 
when he was getting his license and he said the first time I let off on the brake on this thing, he said the only way I can describe it was I felt like I got rear-ended by a semi. That's that that's true. And people always think because, oh, you got a top fuel car, my car's not going to feel fast. Top fuel cars are in, they don't even feel realistic. So everything else still feels fast to me. It's a real car still feels fast because a top fuel car is not really realistic. It's, it's a feeling that is so different than getting in a super comp car or, or your buddy's hot rod, your buddy's hot rod still feels fast. Matter of fact, I get more scared riding with someone in their hot rod than I do in anything else, but they're wrong because everything else still does feel fast. And yes. that's, I like that about it. You know, it did, it doesn't ruin hot rods for you. Driving a top fuel car didn't ruin the sensation of getting in a hot rod. No, it's it, it's a like it's a completely different like skill set, I imagine, because from what I gather with those cars, it's you're not as much driving as you're almost kind of trying to anticipate on what it might or might not do, right? You know, I I consider it like it's like driving 300 miles an hour on a sheet of ice. You're just trying to fight it to stay in the groove the whole way. It's more work. It's more work than everybody thinks, but it's different. It's it's just different. It's just you're, it's controlled chaos in there. You're just trying to keep it in the groove and not let it, because once it drifts out of the groove, it's going that way. And you're, it's probably too late. You might not get it back in. So it's just it's just completely different sensation. It's like you're out of control from the time you step on the gas till the time you let off. Yeah, that's that, I, that, that could be a, definitely an interesting sensation, I'm sure. And... You know, if, if there, you know, what was it like the first time that you made a full pull in a nitro car? Oh, it was, it was crazy. But the first time I, I drove Brent Fanning's, he helped me get my license and I made a couple short runs in his top fuel car, which, and he told me, he said, my top fuel car, we're going to set it up slow. It's going to not be any faster than your alcohol funny car, but. We're going to get the short runs done. So we got the short runs done. And then we go to Topeka and I ran my alcohol funny car and we're going to finish my license on Monday. So we have my top fuel car out there and Corey Mack's there. And Corey Mack was back then, that was 2000 or 2001, I think. And Corey Mack, you know, that was, he was, he was one of the big shots. And, and Corey, Ma Corey Mack came up to me and said, how far are you going to go? I said, I'm going to, Always, I'm, I'm going to try to make a full run. He said, there, there's no way. How fast have you gone? I said, uh, I mean, I, I drove Brent's car a few runs. And he said, yeah, but how? what's this car? I brought it from uh, Marvin Foxworth. And the car had ran, you know, 460s in the quarter, 470s in IHRA. So pretty fast. Well, he said, he said, well, I'll, I'll go down there. I bet you don't make it to. 150, 200 feet. I said, oh, no, I'm going, no way. No, I'm going, no, I'm going to get my license. And I hit the gas, and I went about 150 feet. It had like an 850, 60-foot time. And I shut off, and I coasted to the first turnoff at Topeka. And, and I don't think anything about it. I've been, I've ran Topeka so many times over the years that I was used to it. I make the first turnoff, and I'm just, I get out, and I turned around to look, and I hear somebody talking to me, and it's Corey Mack. And he said, and I was looking at the back tires, and he said, what happened? How far did you go? And I said, there's no way those tires can take that. That was my first time. I let off, and I coasted around there. But Corey Mack was sitting there, and he was he was laughing. We were laughing about it, but he said, what did I tell you? I said, oh, man, you were right. I couldn't believe it. It just pulled me up out of the seat. I, I see why you have to pull yourself down so tight in it because my head, it just scooted me up in the seat, and – there's no way I thought the back tires could take that much power. And that wasn't even a fast, a super fast car then, but that was my first experience. And then after that, I did go far enough to get my, my mile an hour at run 290. So I got that run out of the way and then I ended up getting my license, but it was tough. That first run in an actual four second car definitely got my attention. So you gained a lot of healthy respect in the span of, Less than a second, right? I sure did because I, my alcohol funny car run, you know, 
580s back then and you know 240 something and it ran okay and i just thought oh man i, I can drive this funny car i'm gonna this won't be any problem in a dragster well i was wrong yeah <laughs> whoops i was i was wrong but i definitely had a new respect for it after that see now you said something there that i absolutely love alcohol funny cars oh, the best that like people always ask me like if you could drive anything what would you drive first i was like alcohol funny car hands down definitely definitely alcohol funny car it's the wildest coolest thing it 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 and pro mods pro mods i love pro mods but alcohol funny car was absolutely the best time probably i've ever had racing and it's because they were just so out of control and especially when i ran them they were they weren't as fast as they are now, but, you know, they ran pretty good. And, you know, Walt Austin helped me when I first got started. Jimmy Jones, Jackie Stidham, all these guys helped me get started. I had no money. Uh, I don't even know how I ended up getting an alcohol funny car. I bought a rolling chassis that was an ex-Stidham car from Oklahoma. That's where I grew up, down around Oklahoma City. It's a little south of there, but so I ended up getting a chassis. And me and Bobby Gardner, who's a crew chief on clint satterfield's twin turbo car i just moved to missouri and me and bobby gardner have been friends forever since i moved here me and him i bought a fiberglass body it got delivered on christmas eve in the snow and ice we took it to bobby's house and put it in his garage rinsed it off with hot water to look at it and me and him mounted a body and it was the worst mounting job you've ever seen in your life but i did custom paint we made it look good we went we, anyway we went racing and we had no business with no alcohol funny car, none at all. But we did it anyway, and we met all the right people and ended up, it was just the funnest thing I've ever drove. And I ended up getting another one, and, you know, it just kept going. And then I ended up with a top fuel car. I have no idea how this has happened. <laughs> that's, I a book. That, that, that's one of the funniest things I think I've heard on this podcast so far. I have no idea how this happened. Like, you know, I, pe people wake up drunk in a different place. You know, that's one thing. But to wake up one day, how did I get a drag a top fuel dragster? That's that's awesome. But that's, that's exactly how it seems. It, it seems like I, I drank too much one night. I woke up the next day and I'm like, how did this happen? Because I, I painted cars in my garage my whole life. I didn't paint cars in a fancy shop. I painted cars in a detached garage with a window fan stuck underneath the overhead door sucking the fumes out. So I, I really don't know how this happened. I've just met a lot of friends and, you know, I just, I worked all the time. I, I worked night and day to, to try to get, nothing's ever been good enough. You know, I wanted to get an alcohol car. I wanted, I mean, it hadn't been that long ago. It seems like yesterday I wanted to run 1220, 1220. That was my goal and I'm done. 1220. If I ever get a street car that runs 1220, well, I guess that wasn't enough. I just kept going. Yeah, just and I, I think that's again, you know, it, it's a common thing you see. I, I personally see with a trait with all drag racers at all levels is that they work for what they have, they enjoy with what they have, and it just grows. And they'll get to a place. Some guys get to a place where a nine-second bracket car—that's all they want—and then you get the guys that want the top fuel things, and then you just. You find a way to make it happen. Whether it makes any sense or not, you find a way to make it happen. Yep, and that's exactly what's happened. And, and you know, I have friends who that wasn't their goal. But, but they helped me get to that goal, you know. The, you know, some of them were happy doing what we were doing before and running Super Comp or, or our street racing stuff and everything we did. But it's just been a fun deal because I, I just feel like everybody – has helped me get there. So it's not just me out there doing it. It's our whole community. It's everybody I've raced with. I mean, it, it just feels like we all did it together. Yeah, totally. And that that's an awesome feeling for sure. And, you know, you get the groups of people you race with. And you, like you said, you have these tribes and these families that you, you know, you, you have your, your blood family, then you have your racing family. And they're yeah. both very, very tight groups. Very tight. Yeah, you're right. And that's that's why we race. Oh, you know, yeah. With racing shut down right now, I mean, you definitely miss the racing and the driving the car, but you miss that side of the family too, because you're not seeing them. 
Yeah. I mean, especially us because we're in Missouri and we don't see them until we get to a race. You know, you, you lose that side of your family. I mean, we're, we're missing that, you know, we can talk to each other, but you know, we miss hanging out at the track together. It's just like, you know, it's like not seeing a family member for a while. Hopefully this will get over with and we'll get everybody straightened out and everybody will be safe and we'll go back to racing. Yeah. And again, it's, there's just, there's like this, I tell people that the racetrack for me is the best therapy I've ever had because when I go to the track, my personal life could be absolutely on fire. But when I'm at the track, everything melts away. It's like, it's the, it's like the best happy place. No amount of drugs or alcohol could ever change that level of happiness that the racetrack brings. No, no, you're right. I mean, that, that is, that is what we work for. That's what's been a lifetime of work is to get to that place. And whether you're racing at your local track or, or wherever, if you're, I don't care if you're bracket racing or whatever you're doing, that is why we do it. And it's the same feeling with, you know, going to your local track and bracket racing as it is top fuel racing for me. It's the same feeling. I still get the same excitement when I roll into Tulsa Raceway Park. And even if I don't have a car and I'm just going in there, I'm just, I'm going to the track. I'm like, yeah, okay, we're going to the track again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I, I haven't heard an engine fired in anger in weeks. I need, you know, even if I yes. haven't, I haven't, you know, even if I'm not racing, just going to the track and just hanging out with people that you know and you're, you know, you have to pause your conversation because of a really hot pass and, you know, everybody's kind of looking at fence. Oh man, that sounded fast. What's going on there? You know, it's just, it's the stuff like that, that you really get addicted to. Yep. You do. I mean, it's just part of your life. So, you know, all, everybody's all ready to get back out there. We're going to try to go test the, we're going to test the Studebaker here in a, I don't know, a week or so. It's going to be warm weather and we've, we're, we're just going to go to the racetrack, just three or four of us. No people, nobody at the track, no clocks, no nothing. We're going to have it all camered up. I'll get Sean Melton to put cameras all over it from Urban Hillbilly Videos. And we're going to take it to the track. And we're just going to test it with no one around. And then we'll and then we'll start blasting it out there on YouTube. And, you know, just try to try to break up the monotony safely without, you know, no, we, we you know, nobody needs to be around each other right now, but. We're going to try to get something out there just to just to keep everybody fired up. Oh, yeah. Like I was telling you, that's why I love doing this show, because it gives me a way to, like, talk to racers in a way that you can't convey in a written format. And, you know, there's people, craziest thing, when I was at Lights Out doing, you know, the pit side interview thing, I had some dude come up and talk with me that he, you know, said he loved the show, watch the show, started showing me pictures of his car, his Mustang. And he was bummed because he wrecked it. And I was like, dude, you can get it fixed, you know, or put it in something else. You know, it, it sucks. But, you know, that's that it, it's the having that that connection and just wanting to get out and race and making people enjoy it and breaking up that monotony. It's having that factor. I think that that's that's really important right now. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. And, and you know, hopefully you can get that fixed. But that's that is part of it. That is part of the problem with racing a car there's always something that can go wrong and luckily the racing community usually sticks together and helps everybody out so you know hopefully you can get that fixed i mean I, I, every time i see somebody that does have a problem and you know i try to find them on facebook and i i send them a message and i'll you know say something like hey i've done that i've done the same thing just don't get you know don't give up because that's be thankful that you had a car that was fast enough to do that you know yeah, it's, you know, the, the cars can be the biggest joy and promote, provide the most heartache. Like, you know, it's tell my, my street car right now slash project car is currently torn apart in my shop. And I'm like, what have I gotten myself into pulling an yeah. engine out of this? I've never done anything this big mechanical by myself before. I'm like, well, you know, can't stop now. I got to figure this out as I go. And it's, it's an experience and it, I'm looking forward to being able to, to enjoy it with my friends and getting people to come race and, you know, just it'll give a sense of accomplishment when that car runs again. Oh yeah. There's nothing better, nothing better than a project like that. And I've, you know, I've had so many projects over the years and that's 
been so much fun just to just to roll them out of the trailer for the first time or roll in there on your open trailer and unload your car pulling into the racetrack is the best feeling ever the the guy that i i help with his radio tire car he uh he wrecked one car and really bummed him out but fate would have it that he ended up getting another car that was you know better and the first thing we took it to is Holly LS Fest down in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm like a dog when it comes to, to racing stuff. You know, you pull up in your trailer and say, hey, get in. Let, let's go racing. I'm like, where are we going? I don't care. Let's just go. Yeah. And, you know, we hauled this car down to Bowling Green on an open trailer, raining, don't care. Like, we're going to make hits in this car. Figuring it out, you know, and he said, all right, on this pass, I'm really going to let it eat. Uh, the problem was that, you know, he never really had an experience putting that much power into a turbo car and it promptly went from a car to an airplane all four tires off the ground i'm standing behind a video i'm like he just destroyed the car we get it back to the pit and he's like you know we start looking over it's like well it knocked the fitting off the the turbo we can fit that fix that you know it bent up a couple things and we'll fix that we're underneath this car thrashing away and people are like oh that was awesome yada are you guys done and I'll never forget, Ray rolled out from underneath the car and looked at the guy and said, listen, I didn't come here to spectate. I came here to race. I'm right. Mike, well, that sums it all up right there. Yep, that's it. That's that's a real racer. I mean, that's that's why we go. It, it, you know, we, we thrashed and worked on the car, and he kept making hits, make personal bests. And after the fact, one of our friends showed us some pictures he shot of behind the car and it showed something that we didn't realize. And look, when the car was up on the bumper, it was also up on the parachute mount. And basically the parachute tether was stuck between the mount and the pavement. We're like, that could have been really bad if you popped the chute that would have ripped those chutes off. But right, right. <laughs> it, it, it was one, it was a good, a good lesson, again, lesson learned that anytime something bad happens with the car, look over everything to make sure you didn't miss anything in the process. Yeah, I agree. I've been looking over, I've been looking over, you know, the Studebaker the, the last few days because I'm going to go test it. And, you know, I was just looking today and I wasn't even, I was just looking because I took the clutch out where, you know, like I said, the Lugano's we've, figured out a new clutch lever combination we're going to put in there to make it a little easy ease it off the line a little bit easier and and uh so i was taking that out but i look up and i was i was just standing i just look at it all the time trying to improve it or find a problem because when i find a problem on that going down the track it's going to be bad so yeah and i look up and there's a fuel line that you know going to the right side cylinder head that is completely kinked and if if i would have ran it in vegas when i, I took it out there to run it at the streetcar super nationals and you know the track they it's an nhra track so you know it didn't happen because of insurance purposes and you know they just were nervous about me running it there so i ended up not running it so i look at that and i just think okay that was a that's a good thing because we were we had it warmed up we were actually going to run it on monday at vegas and you know i was driving doug colita's car on and testing so the guys were, they serviced the Pro Mod, got it ready. And then as soon as we got down with Ducks, we were going to make a hit in the Studebaker. And now looking back, I'm, you know, I need to, I need to thank Mike Rice for not letting me run because that would have been ugly. And he, he was right. So I'm really looking over everything now because I'm trying to eliminate some problems before I have them. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and it, especially, you know, when you're running, a nitro car, let alone a nitro door car, that that you you have to make sure everything's right and tight because if something bad happens there, the the margin for error is extremely small. I'm sure. It it is, and and this is nothing. This is just human nature. But there's a lot more people waiting to see that car fail than there is to see it do good because it's not really. If you think about it, it's probably not a great idea but it is to me, to me, I think it's the great, I think it is a good idea, but there is a lot of people that are, you know, I get a lot of naysayers like, oh, I smoked the tires the last three times out. Yeah, I did. But you don't understand that I've, I got carried away myself. I, it has all the latest, greatest stuff like the dragster has on it. And I didn't need that. I didn't need to make it more aggressive on the line. I needed to leave that part alone 
and run it out the back. So, but I get that. I mean, it's something different and nobody's done it. So I get it that it's, it might not work, but I bet it does. And I'm, I'm bound and determined to prove it's going to. Oh, that thing making a full lick with the flame, you know, with, with the headers lit would just be, that's the kind of thing that I wish I could be there to take the pictures of it because that's going to be nothing but awesome pictures to shoot. You know, the, the first couple of run, the, the runs that I have on video that are where it went 300 feet. The reason I only went 300 feet is because my fuel cell was too small and I had to, I couldn't go any further. So the runs that we have, the night runs are just out of this world. The header flames over the roof are crazy. It, you know, at 300 feet, the header flames are just laying back. I mean, it's starting to look like a fuel funny car going down the track whenever I lifted, but you know, now we've got redhead valves. They've made a, they make all the IndyCar fuel valves. So they rigged me up a deal on my fuel cell and a five gallon jug where I back up from the burnout. I put five gallons of fuel in it in less than five seconds. While we're setting the idle, it's got five more gallons of fuel in it. Wow. So that's pretty, that's a pretty cool part of the show too, to watch somebody walk up there and put the fuel jug on there and it doesn't spill a drop. It's the coolest thing ever. But they've developed that. They came to my shop, and Mason Fuller, he's a kid that's doing an internship there. And, you know, he works for the company, but he, he came down there, and then the owner of the company came down, and they got it all set up, and it worked perfect the last couple of times we've tested it. That's awesome. That's, yeah, definitely get lots of video for that because that's going to be something that catches people's, you know, attention for sure because it's, you know, I've always been a fan of, uh, the old school fuel alters because those things are just, you know, a next level of crazy. And this is just a, you know, lock in step with those monsters. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the fuel alters would, that that's the next thing that I would be interested in at some points, you know, I mean, I, I can't do anything else right now. I don't even know why I'm doing all I'm doing, but, but the fuel alters are something that I would love to drive. I've never drove one ever. And I've got a lot of friends that have them, but, you know, they're, they're super cool. I, when the good guys used to do a lot of their drag racing stuff, I got to see them run at Indy and then here in Columbus. And they're just, they're, they're, they're obnoxious. It's so awesome yeah. to watch. That's the only they're, word to describe them, obnoxious. They're, they're pretty close to top fuel Harley guys and top fuel boat guys too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think you could put all three of those guys in a lineup and people go, yeah, those those aren't your normal fuel guys because, you know, we always joke about it on the show that you could put a pro stock motorcycle racer and a top fuel Harley racer next to each other, and there's a distinct difference between the two individuals. Yes, there is. It, yeah, there's a big one. In, in size and in attitude. Yeah, you're right. Yep, that's true. Well, Scott, our uh, time here on the show is coming to an end, and I like to give my guests their opportunity to kind of channel their inner John f Force and, you know, rip off sponsors and who to thank and everything else. So uh, I'll turn the floor over to you, and you can thank whoever you want to thank and uh, do your own little spiel. Sounds good. I don't, uh, you know, I'm lucky. I tell everybody this, and, and I don't really have sponsors. I have friends. I don't have a single sticker on that car that's not a friend, so... I'm lucky. I got Magic Drive, Tommy Thompson, Cat Spot, uh, Brian Bostwick Enterprises. I don't know if you've seen the deal at Phoenix. Trask Performance. They, the, Nick Trask came over from New Zealand. He's got a story like us. He came over, but he's just a hardworking guy. Started with nothing. Now he builds the probably the coolest Harleys on earth. And he also he he kind of refined and built and the turbo systems for turbocharged Harleys. So anyway, his company, they sell so many turbo kits for Harleys right now. Those guys sponsored the car at Phoenix. That's where he's based out of. And they built me, I'm a huge Evil Knievel fan. They built me an Evil Knievel turbocharged Harley and gave it to me at Phoenix. If you look on my Facebook, you can find some pictures of it. It is unreal. Oh yeah, absolutely unreal what they did for me, and and those are just friends, but those are all sponsors: Tommy Thompson, Laganas, Capco, Mama K Torrance, Billy Torrance, Steve Torrance. None of this happens without friends. Mark Recycling. I'm in a shop. A friend of mine has a shop. He's got a big recycling company. Mark Recycling. 
and we have done all this together for over 20 years and we're just friends that's all it is so i'm in a different deal i can do i don't have to answer to anyone i just kind of do whatever i think's right and i've got nobody to answer to i just do my own thing and go out there and have a good time and share it with everyone that's my goal that's awesome for sure and then is there any place on social media where people can follow you like a racing page or anything where they can check you out yeah we've got facebook page you can go to scott palmer racing um i don't do a lot on the instagram and stuff it's pretty much on 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 that and we've got a, some link ups to trash performance and magic dry and stuff you can magic dry racing you can follow some on there but pretty much it's uh, scott palmer racing if you look on that Awesome. Well, folks, make sure you check Scott out and uh, listen for the WAPs at uh, upcoming races, right? Hey, wait till you hear that in the Studebaker, because that's really impressive when I whack the throttle in that. That thing jumps off the ground when you whack the throttle. Oh, that'd be an awesome video. Make sure you get some shots of that for sure, man. I'll do that. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you soon. Hey, thanks a lot. Well, that wraps up the show for this week. Thanks to Scott for stopping by. And as always, may your reaction times be crisp and your wind lights bright. Until next week, folks. <laughs>